Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Namaste, everybody. And this evening, on page 144, we're going to begin the discussion of chapter two. And of course, it's the middle episode. So the first chapter, chapter one, is the first episode. And that's one episode in itself that pertains specifically to Mahakali. And this middle episode, which comprises chapters two, three, and four, are the, the, um, the it, well, it, the, it's the great goddess of true wealth, Mahalakshmi. And of course, the ending episode, or the last episode, uh, we, it, it, it comprises chapters 5 through 13, and that is presided over by Mahasaraswati. So we're going to begin with a Bini Yoga for each section, for each episode, for the exploits of the goddesses in the various episodes, we have an application of Bini Yoga. So chapter two's application, da -dum -da -dum, om, presenting the middle episode, the consciousness that pervades all is the seer, that's Vishnu, the great goddess of true wealth is the deity, Mahalakshmi, Ushni, 28 syllables to the verse is the meter, and I want you to remember that Gayatri Ushnuk Anishtuk Chandongshi are not really the number of syllables in the verses, but Gayatri is the chondo, the meter of Udoi, a beginning. And Ushnik is the chondo of Madhya, or midday. And uh, uh, Anushtup is the chondo of Shayan, or of evening. So we have the beginning, the middle, and the end uh, being represented by Gayatri Ushtik and Anushtup Chandra. So Ushnik is really 28 syllables to the verse, but it's not the meter of the Sanskrit, it's the meter of the bhavana. It's the bhavana, the attitude that we are in the daytime now. We're in the middle of the day. Uh, Shakambori is the energy, and she who nourishes with shak, with, with, uh, uh, with vegetables. Uh, she was also called Shatakshi, she with a thousand eyes, and uh, she had many names. She's the energy. Durga is the seed. Uh, we know her. Durga means confusion, obstacles, and Durga takes away the Durga. Air is the principle. Yajurveda is the intrinsic nature. So we have the uh, Rig Veda, the Yajurveda, and the Sama Veda. And for the satisfaction of the great goddess of true wealth, this middle episode is being applied in recitation and now the dhyana. Now this is a meditation on the form of Mahalakshmi. Ashtadashbuj Mahalakshmi. She's got 18 hands. And it says in the text, really she has a thousand, but she's shown as 18-handed because it's really hard to make a deity with a thousand hands. You can't even count that easily. But to make them, it would be very difficult. Even with 18 hands, she's a very handy lady to have around. Mm -hmm. And she, with a beautiful face, the destroyer of the great ego is seated upon the lotus of peace. In her hand, she has a rosary of alphabets, and that means she, can, she has a, a mala that contains all the vibrations of the universe. And she just makes japa of all the vibrations of the universe. And uh, she has a battle axe of good actions, a club of articulation. She keeps hitting those asuras over the head with her mantras. She has the arrow of speech, the thunderbolt of illumination, the lotus of peace, the bow of determination, the water pot of purification, the staff of discipline. She's got energy. I mean, this lady gets around. She can move things. She's a mover and a shaker. She has the sword of worship, the shield of faith, the concha vibrations, the bell of continuous tone, tone, the wine cup of joy, the pike of concentration, the net of unity, and the discus of revolving time named excellent intuitive vision. 
Why she has a wine cup? Because she's filled with amrit. She's filled with nectar. And she's got this panapatra. And she's filled and she consumed the nectar of devotion. We call it wine, but it's the wine of amrit. The wine cup, the, uh, the panapatra, with, which is filled with amrit. And in the stool, this amrit will be Madeira. It's pancha, uh, pa part of the panchmakar, uh, which is monks much moitum Madeira and mudra in Sanskrit. They're not five M's in English. Uh, meat, fish, uh, 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 wine in the wine cup. Uh, uh, union between male and female and parched grains. <laughs> mudra. Also mudra means not only parched grains like uh, muri, oh, chimitak even is a mudra. But also mudra is a mystical symbol that you hold your fingers in certain positions and these are mudras which are indicative of certain attitudes. So, and then she held, holds the net of unity, the discus of revolving time, named excellent intuitive vision. I worship that great goddess of true wealth. Now, it's not just any wealth. But what's the true wealth? Now, remember, Laksh is your goal. And Lakshmi is my goal. <laughs> it's the ultimate goal. It's the, the Mahalakshmi is the great goal, the, the great goal of all existence. And we say in, in the Vaitritik uh, Rahasya, you're going to hear, Sarvas Andhya Mahalakshmi, Triguna Parameshwari. First and foremost is Mahalakshmi. She, the first and foremost, is the great goal of existence. And she embodies the three gunas. She is three, three guna parameshwari. She is the supreme goddess above and beyond the three gunas. Uh, so uh, that is the great goddess of true wealth, is the great goddess of all goals, the great goddess who is the goal of all existence. She sits in the lotus of peace. She gives her beach mantra a shrim. Sha means shanti, ra means your mind, e means your heart, and swar means perfection. She is the great goal of all of existence, which is the ultimate respect, which means perceiving all in your mind, in your heart, with the perfection of peace. Which is the great goal, the great wealth, the great achievement, the great attainment of all manifested existence. And instead of sitting on this piece of paper all night, I'm going, before we even start the discussion, I want to tell you something about what this chapter is about. And I'm sure you can find most of this information under presentations on the teachings menu of the Devi Mandir Srima's website, where it says in chapter one we meet Madhu and Koitaba, who are too much and too little. And the subject of the discussion of chapter 2 is the destruction of the armies of the great ego. And I want to read to you some of their names. Why are we fighting this battle? Why are we so eager for battle? Here we are, we went to the Rishi, we said, Rishi, my mind is without control, I can't sit still, I can't rest, I can't be, go inside, I, all I think about are these stupid Thoughts! Why is it, O oh great wise one, that I think of thoughts instead of think of God? How do I make my mind sit still? And the Rishi said, it's all the play of Maya, it's all the energy of existence. Pray to the energy of existence. She will withdraw her energy from the generals of the armies of the great ego, and she will illuminate and empower the gods to shine. The Dibya, she'll make you a Rishi. She'll make you a seer. She'll make you my husband, Lord Shiva. 
So in chapter one, in the first episode, we met Mondu and Koitaba, who we called too much and too little. They are the opposites that keep us moving and acting and reacting on the stage of consciousness. Now in chapter two, we're going to first meet Chikshur. And he is devoid of clear understanding. And I just don't understand it. And I don't care how many times you explain it to me, I still won't understand it because I just, if I understood it, I'd have to act on it. And so I don't understand it. I don't care what it says in the book. I don't care how many times the guru explains it to me. It's too sophisticated for me. So sure, he says, I don't, I'm devoid of clear understanding. Chalmer is fickleness. He goes this side and he goes that side. And he goes this side and he goes that side. Just like a chalmer, he's just moving from side to side. Like the fly whisk which, which we with, whisk away the pests of the mind. We, we whisk away all the pests that bug the Divine Mother and in turn she gives us the prasad of our offering and she takes away all the pests. She makes us make a commitment with a capital C. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Udgra is haughtiness, and he's haughty, he puffed up with pride, he's, he thinks he knows, I don't have to listen to you, I'm, I, you who are you to tell me? Mahahanu, the great deceiver. Ah, let's do something chalak. <laughs> let's plot and scheme and see how, let's we'll get a little bit of something extra for me. <laughs> I am, I could deceive them. I could tell them when I'm actually working. I'll, I'll tell them I'm working for Shreema and there I, therefore I can't do the dishes. <laughs> that, that, I'll tell them I'm doing a project for Swami and therefore I'm not going to do windows and floors. Asalama. Asalama is want of resolution. I have no sudden culpa. And I'm not going to make one. And I don't care how many times you ask me, I can't tell you whether I'm going to take the plane with you or not until the plane is ready to leave. I might show up or I might not show up. And if I might go on the tour with you or I might not. I can't make a, a commitment. <laughs> Mother! <laughs> Bosco! Memories! <laughs> Those memories come, I mean, we sit down there and we say, and we offer the flower and we're thinking, what happened the other day? <laughs> ah, Bosco! Uh, we, 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 oh, gee, that was an interesting incident in my past. <laughs> I'm remembering those things from the past. Porivarita. Porivarita, wandering to and fro. <laughs> Just making the great pilgrimage <laughs> all around the world. I'm everywhere but where I'm supposed to be. Whoa, here's London, Paris, Rome, and New York. Oh, on the Bush Bay. Ah, there I was in India. And Bidal, his hypocrisy. It, yeah, really bad mosh. Because it doesn't matter what I'm thinking inside. It's only what people are seeing. It doesn't, I don't, it does, they can't see what I'm really thinking. So I'll just put on a good show. Let me make a big tea lock. <laughs> and let me wear the right clothes. And I'll look like I'm a sannyasi. <laughs> it doesn't matter what people's, what people, what I'm doing. It just matters what they're seeing. If I can pull the wool over their eyes, even a little bit at a time. Well, these are the generals we are going to confront in this chapter 2, and we're going to pray to the Divine Mother that she remove the energy from these generals, cut them down, make me a servant of God. So, in actuality, to make it simple, we're going to come up against the six ripu, the wolves, the thieves, the guys that are keeping us 
bound by attachment to the ego. And that's what the substance of this chapter is. Now this chapter reads very much like a kavach. It is a nyasa. And I'll show you how it works when we get to the relevant parts. And now, on page 145, the first verse, Om Hring, the Rishi said. And remember the first verse of the first chapter started, Om Eng, Rishi Ruacha. And the first verse of the second episode starts, Om Hring, Rishi Ruacha. And the first verse of the fifth chapter starts, Om Kling, Rishi Ruacha. Om Eng, Ring, Kling, Rishi Ruacha. And you know what? He did say that. The Rishi said, In former times, the forces of peace and divinity, that's us guys, the devas, and, and the shining ones, the illuminated beings, had a dreadful encounter with the forces of thought, which are the asuras, and which continued for a full hundred years. The commander of the army of thought was the great ego, Mahan Isha Oshur. Uh, now please look at the etymology of our Mohishashura. Uh, everyone says he's a buffalo. The buffalo Ashura, but Mahan Isha Oshur. Mahishashur. Iti Mahishashur. Mahan means great. Isha means ruler. Oshur means duality, thought, division. Individuality. We call him the great ego. The great ruler of duality is the etymology of his name. The commander of the army of thought was the great ego, and the leader of the army of clear perception was the rule of the pure. That makes sense. <laughs> the army of the gods was vanquished by the very powerful thoughts. Woo! They beat us! <laughs> It's funny when calm, crowed, low, mold, amatsajya come into the arm. It, it, it's just like what happened to the good thoughts. He was strong and had a mighty army, but the powerful thoughts were stronger and they took over the treasury. They stole all his wealth. They, they kicked him out of the kingdom. He had to run away by himself. In the same way the army of the gods was vanquished by the very powerful thoughts, it's so easy to give over to stupid thoughts. It's just so easy. I just forget myself. A little bit of selfishness creeps in and I have this silly thought, this silly idea, this silly attachment, and I can do anything. Who knows what I wouldn't do? I could do the stupidest things in the world and get into so much trouble and remember it for a long time to come. The army of gods was vanquished by the very powerful thoughts and all the gods being subdued, the great ego assumed the authority of the rule of the pure. That means anybody who is anyone in heaven was a servant of the great ego. And you know what happened? Then the defeated gods, led by the lotus-born Lord of Being, that's Brahma, in the front, went to where the supreme consciousness and the brilliance which uh, that pervades all were staying. So you see what happens. The gods fell down from heaven. They had nowhere to go, and they took on the bodies of men and women. It was the only place they could live. And all the men and the women were servants of the great ego, so the gods became servants of the great ego as well. And then they called upon Brahma, they said, this is untenable, we can't do it. This is totally illogical. There is no reason why we divine beings, we gods who are shining ones from heaven, should wander around the earth in bodies of human beings, being servants of the ego. And they started drawing lines on the earth and saying, this is mine and that's yours. And look at all I've got. This is my stuff and that's your stuff. And you get off my land. And in every way they began, this is no 
no way we're going to live like this eternally. So they went to where Vishnu and Shiva were staying. And uh, so they, they went, though there was the, uh, the brilliance that pervades all. He's got the brilliant bird on his flag. He is Vishnu. He's got the golden eagle on his flag. That's Vishnu. And uh, they, uh, they, they went to Shiva and Vishnu. And the gods gave the narration of the exploits of the great ego at length, and that ego took me to over our kingdom of heaven. He threw us out of heaven. Here we are, one, we had no place to live, so we moved into the bodies of men and women. And then all the men and women are servants of the ego. And so everybody who's doing anything says, I am the doer. This is absurd. What a way of life! Can you imagine any god or goddess worth his salt or her salt walking around the earth, strutting about, saying, this is mine, <laughs> that's yours, and get off me. And they told of their defeat by the forces of thought. The authority of the light of wisdom, the rule of the pure, the light of meditation, emancipation, devotion, the power that controls the Lord of equilibrium and other gods as well has been usurped by the great ego. And now he governs over all. Everybody, all the gods, the light of wisdom is the only servant of the ego, the light of the rule of the pure, the light of meditation. You can't meditate without saying, I'm going to practice meditation now. Everybody take a look at me doing my meditation. Ah, I surely qualify as a yogi. All the, all the powers of all the gods has been usurped by the ego and now he governs over all. That wicked ego has cast out all the gods from heaven and now in the manner of men they wander about the earth. <gasps> wow, what a bummer. <laughs> Can you imagine what it would be like to be a human being wandering about the earth? Forgetting all about our divinity? Well, that's absurd. Now, all that the thoughts have done has been reported to you, Brahma and Vishnu and Shiva. We are telling you about plight. Here we are forgetting our divinity and thinking ourselves to be human. We have come for your protection now. Please think of the manner of their destruction. The ego is too strong for us. We're humans. You guys gave the boon that he, he would be destroyed by the Divine Mother, who is the energy in all and everything. You think about how to get rid of the ego. We can't do it. All we can do is report to you all the dastardly deeds that demonish ego has performed. And then the slayer of too much, that's Vishnu, and the bliss of being, that's Shankar, became enraged over the conduct of, their th of the thoughts and their faces frowned in anger. I hope you can see the frown. I am displeased with the way those thoughts are behaving. And in excessive rage, a great light emanated from the face of he who holds the discus of revolving time and from the creative capacity and the consciousness of infinite goodness as well. So they got really mad, they put out their lights. And they, I mean, just like when Shiva's light touched love, then he was burned to ashes. Well, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva all put forth their lights the rule of pure and all the other gods too emitted great lights from their bodies. Come on, everybody, put forth your light. Everybody, all the gods, remember your divine and make yourself illuminated and put forth your light. And all the lights united into one form, one light of radiant splendor. 
Now, how are we going to get rid of this ego? We can't do it by ourselves, but if we remember that we are gods that fell from heaven and took on these human bodies, and we call upon Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva and say, you put forth your lights, and we gods and goddesses will put forth our lights, and all the lights will unite into one light of radiant splendor. And the gods saw that great collection of light like a blazing mountain that pervaded all the directions with its flames. Just look into the Hawan Kund when we do the Chandi Yagya and see how high that radiant light it climbs like a mountain in all directions. It illuminates everything with its flames. There was nothing to compare with this light that emanated from the bodies of all the gods. And after collecting into one, it became one light. It assumed a feminine form who was wearing a yellow sari with a red border and her illumination was apparent throughout the world. from the light of that come from the source of bliss to existence, her face became manifested. All right, everybody feel your face. It's full of light. I need you, this is a nyance. Fill your face. Make this into the body of the Divine Mother. It is a body of light. See your face as full of light. The bliss to existence, the source of bliss to existence has given us the light to fill our face. From the power that controls Yum, her hair, and from the consciousness that pervades all her arms. From the light of devotion came her breasts, and from the light of the rule of the pure, her midsection. From the light of the Lord of equilibrium came her legs and thighs, and from the light of earth, her buttocks and hips. From the light of the cre creative capacity came her feet, and from the radiance, the light of radiance, her toes, and from the finders of the wealth came her fingers, and from the guardian of the treasure, her nose. This is a yes. Feel the different parts of her body. It's no longer your bodies, humans. You're no longer human. You are the embodiment of the light of the Divine Mother. All of her teeth came from the Lord of Being and from the clarity of meditation her three eyes became apparent. From the light of the time of worship, from Sandhya, her eyebrows were manifested. And from desiring excellence, her ears came into being. And all the other gods, too, gave their lights to the formation of the energy of infinite goodness. And this is her representative. We have just created the goddess. It's no longer these fallen gods wandering around the earth in the form of human beings, ad nauseum. It's now become the light of the goddess. The Divine Mother has become manifest right here. See, the formation of the energy of infinite goodness. And then the gods who were troubled by the great ego, seeing the grandeur of the goddess manifested from their united lights, they experienced extreme joy. <laughs> the bearer of the trident of unity, that's Shiva, took from his trident, the trishul of unity of the, all the threes, another trident and presented it to the goddess. Let's give her some weapons, this goddess. She's going to battle on our, our behalf. And then the doer of all, taking from the discus of revolving time that Vishnu gave from his discus, manifested a second discus and bestowed it upon her. Equilibrium donated the conscious vibrations and the light of meditation gave his energy. Emancipation gave his bow of determination and two quivers full of arrows. 
The rule of the pure with a thousand eyes took from his thunderbolt of illumination a second thunderbolt and presented it to the goddess. And from his elephant, who happens to be named Love for All, a bell of continuous tone was donated. From the power that controls came the staff of discipline, and the Lord of Equilibrium presented the net of unity, the Lord of Being, a rosary of letters, the creative capacity, the bowl of renunciation. The light of being, the divine being of light, filled the pores of her skin with rays of light, and time gave the sword of worship and a brilliant shield. The ocean of pure thoughts gave a necklace of excellent gems and garments, which never lose lust, their luster and donate earrings, a divine crest, and bangles and a halo of light. The radiant half-moon gave bracelets for her arms, anklets for her feet, a beautiful neck ornament, and rings of precious stones for her fingers. And the universal doer, the doer of all, gave his extremely holy acts of good actions. Look at the weapons that this the goddess holds in her hands. She got 18 hands, and we just filled her full of weapons. She can certainly defeat the great ego and his armies for us. All manner of weapons and impenetrable armor were presented to protect her head and breast, and from true wealth, a garland of lotuses was given that would never lose their luster. Can you imagine the... the the flowers that don't wilt. The sea presented a beautiful lotus, the blessing of peace, and the Himalayas gave the jewel of the lion of courage upon which to ride. That lion's name is Dharma. Now here we have Mahalakshmi, the great goal of all, the, 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 uh, the, the great uh, uh, goddess of true wealth. She's riding on the lion of Dharma. Her beach mantra is respect and peace, and she dwells in every part of my body. And this body is now a body of light. Just a complete illumination. It's no longer the body of Joe Sadhu who is out there thinking, wandering around the earth like a human being, thinking about this and that and the other thing, and this is mine and that's yours, and this and me and mine and yours and yours. The Lord of Wealth gave a drinking bell soul constantly full of intoxicating spirit. And the ultimate, the Lord of all serpents of energy by which the earth is sustained gave great jewels that shine luminously in a necklace of serpents. She got all the energy in the universe, all the kundalini, the, inner, the internal energy, and the mahashakti, the external energy. All the energy is with her. If she chooses, she can withdraw the energy from the generals of the armies of duality and give it to the gods and the goddesses within. Mom, please choose that. What could we do to inspire you to make that decision? That would be so beneficial to us if you would take all the energy away from the thoughts and give it to the gods within us. What can we do to inspire that? After being worshipped, well, we did puja. <laughs> First thing, we worshipped you, we revered you, we respected you, we paid attention to you, we served you, we gave you the most we possibly could with the greatest intensity of sincerity of which we were capable. Again and again she laughed and she roared in a high tone and her dreadful sound resounded through the ether. The goddess caused such an excessive noise that caused all the worlds to quake and the oceans to rage. 
The earth rocked and the mountains shook and the gods were extremely pleased and joyfully cried out to the lion rider, Jema! Tandima And with great satisfaction, the wise people praised the image of their worship, bowing with devotion. With great satisfaction, with, with great satisfaction, in a great intensity of sincerity, with great focus, with great understanding, with great appreciation, with pure love, the wise people praised the image of their worship. Om Sam Sarsvati Namaha. Namaste. Great. Let's pause here and we'll see if there are any questions. Uh, first of all, I want to reiterate the names of all the generals of the armies of the great ego are on our website. Look under teachings and then look under presentations and you will find the generals of the armies of the great ego. So they are all defined there and this is what the battle is about. Please. We have a question from Chandana. Namaste, Chandana! How can we increase our capacity to recognize the story of the Chandi within ourselves? How to recognize the Asuras in their many forms and welcome Chandi to the battlefield? Sometimes I feel I can recognize the battle easily, and other times it's more difficult to cognize the role of my thought that my thoughts are playing. Especially today at work, for example, I feel I don't even know how I got emotional about something, but somehow it happens, and I feel very stupid about it. I didn't react much, but even the thought of it bothers me. Well, you've got the general memories there that is bringing back the memory of what happened at work today, uh, or yesterday, as the case may be, but it's uh, yesterday's occurrence is a present memory, and that's the general of memories. And in the same way, you can see, when you got angry, it was because your goal, your expectations were not being fulfilled. And you felt betrayed that you had expectations and someone didn't feel, fulfill them. And that caused you to get angry. And there came the general of anger and the general haughtiness that said, I should have had my expectations fulfilled. And the, the, all of these generals are working together. You can see them even every time you lose control, every time you regain even the slightest control, Chandana, the, oh, those were the generals in the army of the great ego. That was really an ego attack. That wasn't my righteous anger. My righteousness and battle acts of good actions would have said, okay, now these are the circumstances. How do we prevail in these circumstances and make them the most auspicious and the most conducive and the most, the most correct? Get the highest return on our investment that we possibly can. What can I get from this? How do I correct this situation so I get the highest and the best and fulfill our goal? You can recognize those assurances every time you are out of balance, every time you are low on energy, every time you are remembering what happened yesterday and projecting to what's going to happen tomorrow. It's all the generals in the army of the great eagle. He's coming again and again. He's sending one general after another. Prick her with your sword. Shoot her with an arrow. Hit her with a club. And the goddess, all we can do is call upon the goddess. Because remember, the great ego won the boon. We can't defeat him. Only she can. And our only recourse is to call upon the goddess and say, Mom, these Asuras are attacking me. Would you please take your energy from the Asuras and give it to me? At least to the divine parts of me. If there's any divine part of me, please give it to me. Great satisfaction. The wise people are praising and worshiping you. Please. I'm doing everything I know how to do to earn the privilege of 
giving me your grace to withdraw the energy from the assurers that say you can you can do anything and react in any way you want your anger is right you're righteous it's right for you to be mad and I say mom please Give me discrimination. Take that energy away from those Asuras and give it to the gods within me. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda Ma! <laughs> Dear Swamiji, what can we do to increase the capacity for clear understanding? At least for this capability, are we not limited by what God has endowed us with at birth? No! No, we are not limited. Uh, we certainly get the fruit of our karma, we're children of mother. But we have a free will to change it, we're children of Lord Shiva as well. You can take the sun culpa that I will understand it, and I'm not going to like, accept mediocrity as, a, as a, an alternative. I'm not going to accept the lack of clear understanding. I'm going to study this material and, and, and figure it out and I'm going to live with it, I'm going to dwell with it until I understand it. And then understanding will come. You could pray to the Divine Mother, Mother, please withdraw your energy from the Asuras that cause me not to understand. And give that energies to the devas which illuminate me with understanding. Mom, please, I'm calling upon you with sincerity. I'm doing the very best I can to try to learn it, to understand it, to dissect it, to feel it, to grok it, to breathe it, to be one with this knowledge. Now, please make me understand. One when we're not even looking you'll just the light of understanding will become illuminated you just flip the switch and suddenly it's yours it's not words that you're reading in a book it's not something that the Rishi said thousands of years ago it's not a battle that took place in the sky it's not going on in the clouds it's not a Cecil B. DeMille movie where Charlton Heston brings the Ten Commandments down from the from the mountain it it's going on here it's it's my story it's the story of me the illumination of Swami yes please we have a question from Sadatmananda in Washington. Namaste, Sadatmananda. Namaste. Why is it seen in a negative light that the gods have to take on the bodies of humans? Generally, we seem to think of human birth as higher than that of the Dityas. It, it, it's a step down from being a god <laughs> to being a human. Humans are subject to all... They, 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 they are living under the authority of the great ego. And gods were illuminated and living in heaven and enjoying the nectar of immortal bliss. Now, take your choice. Which would you prefer? Would you like to be a human ad nauseum? Subject to the whims of the ego and the generals dictated by the taking commands from the generals of the armies of the great ego all the time? Or would you rather become a god and a goddess and go back to heaven and shine. I choose divinity. <laughs> yes, please. We have a question from Vidyasagar. Namaste, Vidyasagar. Namaste. I didn't fully grasp the event or the events that caused the gods, the shining ones, to have to come to earth and then be in a human state of Maya. Can you please re-explain this? I'll try. The great ego, he, with his mighty army, of all these limitations of the mind, they march right up to heaven and say, okay, gods, put up or shut up. Come on, let's fight. And God said, wait, we're not fighters. We're illuminated beings. And the great ego said, get out of heaven. So the gods had to leave heaven because they couldn't defeat the ego in fight. The ego had won the boon that only the Divine Mother in the form of the energy of all in everything, she could defeat him by withdrawing energy from the ego and from attachment 
and giving it back to the gods. Now, because of the tapasya of the ego, she made the ego strong and the gods weak. So it became easy for us to say, gee, I don't have time to do my sadhana this morning. I have to do other things. So I'm going to sacrifice my sadhana and I'm going to sacrifice my spirituality because of the importance of all the other things I have to do in this world. Very possible to do. I know people who do it. I'll bet from time to time even maybe you do it. Possibly. You just say, hey, there's, I've got too big a list today. And I'm going to have to sacrifice someplace. There's just not enough time to go to the altar with that beautiful girl I love all the time. Mm -hmm. So if I don't give energy to the goddess, she won't give energy to me because I get the prasad of my worship. Well, then it's very easy for the generals of the ego to come in and say, okay, <laughs> you didn't get any energy today for your divine being, so therefore you're weak and we're strong and so we're going to make you think about it yourself and your attachments. And that's what kicked the gods out of heaven. If they stop or slow down on their sadhana because of their attachment to objects and relationships in the physical world, then the objects and the relationships of the physical world become stronger and the divinity becomes weaker and they are easily overpowered by all the emotions which comes from material attachment. I, it left me. My attachment left. I lost it. And when I lose it, I'm sad. When I gain it, I'm happy. But it left me. And I lost the object of my atta attachment. And now I have all the other generals saying, ah, he's weak. He's sad. He's weak. He has no energy. Akraman! <laughs> Attack! Attack that silly sadhu who didn't do his sadhana today. Make him sorry, make him angry, make him uh, lustful, make him confused, make him charmer, make him no sankalpa, no, get, give him memories, give him, give him every tool in our, the arsenal of the forces of duality. And that's how the Asuras kicked the gods out of heaven. Now the gods, when they fell from heaven, where would they go? They go into the bodies of human beings. And all the human beings are servants of the ego. And all the servants of the ego are striving to get more for me. And they're afflicted by too much and by too little. And I got to do this and I got to do that. And they got, they got the list of goddess. And they gotta, gotta, gotta. And they forget all about the God in the gotta. <laughs> because God is in the gotta too. Charlie Mahadev tries to live on earth. He did not become a servant of It is, that's not true. That is not true. He sat there on Mount Kailash and he said, Shiva Waham. He didn't get rid of the ego. He expanded his ego until it became the greater ego, the greatest ego. He became Aham Brahmashmi. He didn't get rid of his ego. He didn't become a Mahishashur. He became Mahadev. We have a question from Sharanya in Walnut Creek. Namaste Sharanyama. Pranam. The goddess receives armor and weapons from the gods, and she manifests as a light emanating from the gods. Is the Devi described in chapter, chapter 2 similar to Ardhna Rishwar? Can you please explain? Oh, she, oh, she is Ardhna Rishwar. She is Ardhanari, or she is Ardhanar. Take your choice. But she is both nature and consciousness. 
and she is armed with the weapons of devotion that the, uh, the, the devotees put forth from their illumination. And when we il become illuminated, we empower the goddess to withdraw the energy from the thoughts and make our illumination greater. And that's how we get rid of the ego. We can't fight with the ego. I'm going to kill my ego. How is that going to happen? She'll do it for us. Mom, you owe us that much. We're giving you the greatest amount of energy, the most amount of focus, the most amount of intention, attention, energy. We are focusing the sincerity of our effort on you. Now, how do we have time to think about memories or project for the future? We are remembering you. So you are the energy of all in everything, all energy in every circumstance. If you choose, you can let us think about you, exclusively about you. Or if you choose, you could give the energy to our wandering minds and we could think about a whole lot of other stuff. We could go sit in the kitchen and talk about enlightenment. We could go, instead of sitting in the temple talking about God, we could go sit in the kitchen and talk about gurus. We could talk about, we could talk about all kinds of other stuff. It's so easy to forget you. That's the greatest sin. It's so easy to forget the one goddess who gives us empowerment to remember her. That's the tapasya. But when we do the sadhana, we take the inspiration, we cultivate the knowledge, we begin the practice, and we refine the practice to perfection. That is the path so that we think about her more and more and more until we've got the answer on at the tip of our tongue. She says, what do you want? And we say, shoot. Got it right there. Don't even have to think about it. Mom, let me go look it up. I wrote it down one time what I want, why I'm doing all this. Mom, I think, let me, um, no. <laughs> you come back tomorrow when you know what you want. <laughs> have it ready. Know what you want. I remember Draupadi was doing sadhana and she said, the divine mother came and said, what do you want? She said, patning dehi, patning dehi, patning Five times she said, give me, the, give me a husband. And Ma said, Eva must do. And she married the five, she became the wife of the five Pandavas. She said, five times she got five husbands. <laughs> We want what get it on the tip of your tongue and know how to say it, know how to say it the way you want it to come out. Don't get too excited. <laughs> yes, please. We have a question from Moshimi in Boulder. Namaste, Moshimi Ma. Pranam, Swamiji. Could you please clear out one of my confusions? I doubt it. Is it correct that the Mother Goddess created the universe by giving it a form from the formless energy? And then all the gods, being troubled by the demons, together gave the formless mother goddess a form so that she could kill the demons? <laughs> yep! <laughs> That's how it works! From the sunya, from the nothing, that one thing became manifest. And she made all of this. And now, as part of all of this, the gods became illuminated and then they lost their illumination. And they called on Divine Mother, Mom, please manifest in a perceivable form so that we can give you all of our devotion. If you choose, you can manifest in that form. And if you choose, you can manifest in this form but you have to come into a manifested form so that we could worship you. And it's true. 
She came from the infinite beyond conception into manifestation, and she entered into the infinite infinity of manifested existence. And we gods said, I can't remember you in the infinity of manifested existence. I only think of my own Daridra, my own Deen Daridra, my own impoverished circumstances where I need more. I think about I and mine. I see this infinity of manifestation. I don't remember you. Please take one form so I could worship you with pure devotion, with true sincerity, so you could make me remember my divinity again. Perfect explanation, Moshami. Thank you. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia Ma. Namaste. Srima said in one of her books, in olden times, in the Vedic times, everyone was remembering God. It was very peaceful and God was felt everywhere. Then the population gradually grew and people came busier and they forgot. People don't think, okay, we have enough material possessions, now we should turn to God. I want more. Fun. Isn't that fun? And then she says, Mark and Dea wrote the Chandi knowing this time was coming. It will be dark. Can you talk about this and also explain about the fun part? The fun part? Because <laughs> Ma said fun. Isn't that fun? Well, there's all kinds of fun. There's the fun that comes from accomplishing your goal. And there's the fun which is a distraction to celebrate that you accomplished your goal. So the celebration is a transient fun which is not really fun because it does not endure. But the real fun is the purity and the clarity of knowing that we are pursuing a valid goal and a valuable goal and we're pursuing it with efficiency and to the extent of our capacity. That's fun. So the rest of it we did come from a time where there, we were all remembering God all the time. And in those circumstances, Ma said to Markande, she said, the time is going to come in the Kali Yuga when people aren't going to remember the bliss of consciousness all the time. You better write down this Chandi part. Mm -hmm. And with that instruction, Markande Muni uh, began to write the Chandi and tell the stories, the divine histories of how again and again we were perplexed by demonic thoughts of I and mine and we remembered the goddess and the goddess manifested and gave us her energy and gave us her love and gave us her inspiration and gave us her knowledge and then we started doing tapasya and we started doing our practices and then we remembered her and forgot all the thoughts and we went back to the divinity of heaven. And that's why she told Markandeya to write that. We have a question from Sharanya. Yes, Sharanya. Besides chanting the Chandi daily, are there other actions we can perform to be more focused on God and less on the ego and the asuras? Living and working in the world makes it difficult to focus on God. Oh, believe me, I know! <laughs> can you give some suggestions? I can give you many suggestions. Sharanya, let's start with puja. So, as to the extent of your capacity, do puja. To the extent of your capacity, remember the organization of your puja. Because in order to do the puja, you have to set it up into a specific krom or an order, an organization. And that organization is established with the ultimate efficiency. So you become a sadhu. Now, carry that understanding to your workplace. Whatever you do, try to do as a sadhu. Organize with efficiency. Now, you remember the five steps of puja. Preparation. You organize with efficiency for the optimum efficiency. Purification. You make sure everything is clean. The desktop is clean. You don't want to put your valuable papers or your computers into puddles of soup or... 
or tea or breadcrumbs or, or uh, drip jelly. Uh, so wash the place where you eat and make sure that your, your cleanliness is next to godliness. Preparation, purification, invitation. You segregate all the tasks that you have and get all the ingredients ready and, and say we're going to make a big stew and here are the carrots and here are the peas and here are the potatoes and here are the spices and we put all the different ingredients into the organization and the, the most efficient organization we prepare uh, and cut all the vegetables to the exact size that's required and, uh, and we prepare to invite them to unite into the stew into the pot and in this way you organize your office you organize your work you organize your task now one other thing you can do every time you do a repetitive task assign a mantra to that task so when I stick a key into a door I say "Om." Aim, ring, cling, before I turn the key. When I walk through a doorway, when I walk down the street, when I stand up, when I sit down, everything you do with repetition, remember a mantra, and now it's not just a repetitive act that you're doing, it's an opportunity for you to remember your mantra. And these will be things that you can do every time you take a bite of food. Say a prayer. Every time you take a drink of tea, a cup of a cookie, a biscuit, uh, uh, anything you drink. Uh, um, whatever you choose as your mool mantra. You use those mantras all through the day as you perform every task. And these will be some of the things you can do to remember God all through the day, not just when you're chanting the chanting. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste.